Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! I heard a, <clears throat> heard a pastor say one time, if you're not growing, what are you doing? And think about it. This is, I mean, this is hard. It, when he said that, it hit me. I was like, ooh. He said, but, you know, if a, if a, if a plant isn't growing, you know, instantly we think, okay, well, it's time to throw that plant away and replant, pretty much. Huh. Oh, okay. It's time to replant. Or, you know, if, a, if a, uh, you know, I remember... I remember uh, there was some point when I was in the lower grades and we got to take flower seeds home or, you know, it may have been some flower seeds. I don't know. I know some kind of seed. And me thinking, you know, okay, so, you know, uh, back then I remember I had this little yellow uh, power wheel four-wheeler. You remember that, Pops? It was like yellow, white, navy blue, and orange. And I ride that thing in the front yard. I just do circles the whole time, you know. And I remember, um, I, you know, I just scoop my hands in the dirt and put the little seeds in there and you know I drew like a circle around it so I know where it was and I got mad within a few days when they it wasn't growing and I'm like and I in my head I just in my head and heart I just threw it away well I ain't growing so you know whatever <laughs> move on you know but God's not like that if we're not growing then he's going to prune and he's going to purify and he's going to say okay he's going to take away all the dead things all the things that aren't producing life you know, because if something's not growing, what's the opposite of growth? Declining and death. And he doesn't want that for our lives. You know, I asked the boys this morning, because Kellen said, what's today, Daddy? I said, well, yesterday was Saturday, so what's today? He said, Sunday. I said, so what are we going to, we're going to go to church. Why do we go to church? And uh, Kellen said, to learn about God. I said, that's right. Keenan, why are we going to church? He said, to learn about God. I said, that's right, because God is our what? And he said, our Father. I said, that's right. I said, you know, daddy calls God Papa. And Kellen's like, mm, I'm just going to call God his usual name, God. <laughs> I said, you do that, buddy. <laughs> I said, as long as you're still talking to him, whatever it takes, Kellen, you just call him by his usual name. <laughs> so, Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for your presence being in the building. Lord, not just in this building, Lord, but thank you for your presence being in our cars. Lord, being everywhere we are, your presence is there. And Lord, remind us, Father, when, when, the, when chaos rises up with our friends, when chaos tries to enter in our hearts or our lives, when drama tries to enter in, when discontentment tries to enter in, when temptation tries to enter in, when, when, when uh, loss of hope, anxiety, insecurity, all the things that are opposite of you, Lord, when they try to enter into our lives, Lord, and I know they do, I thank you, Holy Spirit, raise the standard up against them. Lord, give us the very tools that we need today. Deposit the very seeds in, our, in the soul of our heart today, Lord, that's going to produce the type of fruit that allows us and enables us and empowers us to hold our heads up. Lord, give us the type of things that empowers us to trust in you fully, Lord, in every area, Lord. Lord, uh, the, not just the areas where we believe, Lord, but in those, in those small corners of our hearts and our minds and our subconscious where we still have some disbelief. We surrender those areas, those spaces, Lord. We surrender those things this morning. We surrender it, Lord. 
But let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. I want to speak to you this morning on something the Lord shared with me. It's not a, it's not a whole lot of notes, uh, so it's not a whole lot of scripture, so, but we're going to just go straight into it. But this morning, I want to talk to you about um, a ship lost at sea. A ship lost at sea. Now, you know, I've, I've joked about this before, but one of my, one of my, I wouldn't say nightmares, but one of the things I'm not trying to do is get on a boat unless I truly, truly, truly love you. <laughs> Outside of that, I ain't getting on a boat. Don't, I ain't getting on water. The only time I've really been out on, on, uh, on water was uh, the bumper boats at Celebration Station. Uh, that was that was my thing. Miss Ashley was like, "What, really? Yes, just it, it's not what I do." Okay, and you know it was all confined and all that. I take that back. I think we did the bumper boats at Fun Mountain and Gatlinburg, but still, just you know, it's just bump to bump. You know, just and it's it's all it's all closed in and we're safe. You know, Dad's on the other side of the fence. If if something happened, he need to, you know, <laughs> he need to tread that water. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just not what I do. We, you know, we was talking about that at, at my job. You know, we was talking about all the different things. Everybody went around just talking about different things they didn't do. And I said, so I ain't getting on a boat. I ain't getting out and see. Uh, if, I, if I happen to get on a boat, I, I want to be able to see land. That was my big thing when we lived in Florida. They used to joke and say, Lindsay, we're going to get you out on the boat, go deep sea fishing. I said, no, we ain't. We ain't going. I said, do you, you messed up right there. You messed up by, by creating the sentence, Lindsay, deep and sea. Mm-mm. I'll see you out in the deep. I'll see you as you go forward to the deep, but I'm going to stay right here where my feet are planted on solid ground. Okay, I take that scripture seriously. I plant my feet on solid ground for the rock. That's right, the rock. That's a part of the earth. That's, that's where I stay. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a ship lost at sea. Somebody say, lost at sea. So uh, there, there's, this is something the Lord put on my heart, but a ship that is lost at sea, it's normally in a state of lost. And, you know, a state of lost, it's never, um, it's, it's never really a destination. It's more of an arrival. It's more of a journey. You know, you don't wake up one morning and you're like, oh, you know, how did I get here? You know, you never wake up one morning and you just, you know, you're already in a state of anxiety, already in a state of insecurity, already in a state of regret. No, most time it's, it's a journey. It's a journey of making the wrong decisions or making decisions that you really didn't have all the full right information. And you arrive into a place of lostness or you arrive into a place of regret or you, rely, you arrive into a place of where the dreams die. Amen. <clears throat> but lostness is, it's, it's a journey, it's an arrival, it's a combination of multiple things. And when a ship gets lost, it's a combination of multiple things. I'm just going to go over three of them. But number one, um, uh, when they get lost, it's basically, it's uh, one of the contributors is no understanding of where you are geographically. When we find ourselves arriving to that place of lostness or, man, how did I get here? Has anybody ever asked themselves that question before? How did I get here? A lot of times it's based off of uh, not having an understanding of where you are geographically. Another one is uh, the ship, uh, a ship that's lost at sea most time is because they have a broken compass or incorrect navigational guide. A broken compass or an incorrect navigational guide. You know, there's, uh, there's been times, I remember when I first started my job, you know, they, uh, you know, 
I would, I would do training and I was afraid to ask this question, but I had the, this burning question always in the back of my mind as I'm in Milan and in Memphis training. They're talking about you're going to be doing all these different routes and they're talking about all these different things. And I just wanted to, but I didn't. But I just wanted to raise my hand and be like, how do I know where to go? <laughs> how am I going to know where to go? I don't even have all the streets memorized in my hometown. Like I got the main three, you know, West Church Street. Highway 22, you know, I still call it 22, and you know, because it runs straight through there. And then, you know, Main Street, you know, the rest of the names, I know a few, no Cook Street, no West Point Drive, you know, but and no Brittany Lane. But if you're like, hey, where's, where's, T, where's T Trace? I don't know. I didn't know we had a T Trace. So, you know, I, would, I, would, I, would, I was very worried and concerned, like, how am I going to know where to go? You know, because they never said that, you know, the, your little scanner was going to tell you, you know, turn left and turn right. Because if you've ever been on vacation, you're trying to go somewhere, you know, you put the address in the GPS, you know, for 200 miles, stay straight. You know, I love that. If, if, if I, I wish I was a hacker so I could hack it and give it a different voice to where it was like Samuel Jackson or, or somebody else where like, stay left, you know, go left, my brother. Like, you're doing good, you know, or I don't know, doc, maybe maybe Dr. Phil or or somebody else, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, um, oh, you know, do the voice have have it be like Joel Osteen. You just keep going, man. You are doing good. You are on the right path, brother. You know, I would I would want that. You know, I want that as I'm driving. We laughing, but you know what? You want it to. I know you do deep down. You know, whoever you think is most encouraging, whatever leader, you know, you can plug that voice into your to your but you know ultimately and that that was my that was my fear and I remember when I first started my route I realized uh, that fear became very apparent because on my route I have no cell phone signal there's only two roads no, I'm not kidding only two roads I have cell phone signal and I'm only on those two roads for a, less than three minutes you can ask Kelsey when I call her she, uh, she knows that all right I'm on Blue Goose Road okay we got to you know she's telling me stuff about the soccer uh, how soccer's going you know the boys want to talk no nope, ain't got time for you boys because the guy give me the straight skinny because I'm about to be off this in like two minutes and then you know hi bye love you da, 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 da. and same goes for 22a if I'm on 22a I got less than three minutes then I'm out again you know if you, if you catch me it's 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 the Lord it's a glimmer of hope and you're able to catch me and the cell phone towers connect and I'm like hello I remember mom called one time she's like I got you I said yeah I know what's, what's up what's up like <laughs> about to cut out in a few <laughs> Well, yeah, well, you got time for small talks. I love you. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What, what's, what's going on? So, um, but I, I realized on my route, like, oh, man, I have no cell phone signal. So that means, like, when I would get lost, I couldn't, you know, pull up Siri, be like, how do I get to, you know, 227 West Point Drive? No, it was, you know, I remember putting it in just, just hoping. You know, you ever done something, you're just hoping, like, ah, you know, I put, I put the address in. <laughs> it said, address cannot be found. Please connect to Wi-Fi. And I'm like, brother, Siri, <laughs> you have one job. You have one job. I'm like, why do I pay this phone bill if it ain't connecting to nothing? But, you know, a lot of times when a ship is lost, I see one of the contributors is a, a broken compass or a broken navigational guide, not an incomplete navigational guide. There's nothing that can tell them how to navigate fully. Another one is no sight of anything familiar. No sight of anything familiar. You know, if you've ever seen the movies when they're lost at sea, you know, it's, you can't see land. There's no, uh, one of the most beautiful things and the most terrifying things I remember when we lived in Florida was to look out, you know, be standing on the, and look out on to the beach and see like the water just, it goes on and on. And you couldn't, you couldn't see, I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful. Lord, I'm like, you know, I had my worship up, like, Lord, you made that. 
Oh, so beautiful. Oh, man. And then I started thinking, man, brother, get lost out there. And I remember one time, there was one time we was out there, and there I seen this little white boat far, far out there, and they were, they were fishing. But I mean, like, you had a squint. You had a squint. And of course, my imagination, I put myself on that boat. I was like, oh, geez. Like, I would not want to be out there. What happens if a storm comes through? You know, and I started, you know, making all these scenarios. And of course, they could see land because, because I could see them, they could see me. So they were, ultimately, they were good. They knew that, okay, if we need to get back to land, we just go that direction. But when you're lost at sea, it's because you can't see anything familiar. There's nothing that looks comforting to you. There's nothing that looks familiar to you. There's nothing for you to latch hold to. Everywhere you look, it's in uncharted waters. We, we talked about that a few years ago, uncharted waters. But as far as a ship lost at sea, we said this, no understanding of where you are geographically, a broken compass or incorrect navigational guide, and no sight of anything familiar. When you're lost, most times you're in a state of confusion. And the Bible says that the author of confusion is who? The devil. One of the temptations is the moment that something happens, the moment that something chaotic or, or unideal, we'll say that, unideal happens, instantly we're like, God, God, ah, Lord. So I'm having with the car yesterday, I'm like, really, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to trust you. Lord, I'm trying to trust you. And then I said, but you know what, Lord, no better way to trust you than to put it to practice. And then I, then I, then the Lord reminded me that this incident, Lindsay, isn't me. And I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't you. You didn't cause this. Did Did you know that Papa Papa's not trying to cause you trouble to teach you a lesson? Amen. You know, I love my kids. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make it hard on them. I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, me and Kelsey, we're not filling their. She's not filling their lunchbox, you know, in the mornings. And when Kellen goes to school, I have an empty lunchbox to teach him to be appreciative of his lunch. No. Just you know, fill the bots, and and out of that, he's like, "Man, my mommy loves me. Oh, I love her so much. Thank you so much for my food." But you know, if we, if the Bible says, if if an earthly father, if an earthly parent would give good gifts, how much more would our heavenly Father give? So why would we attach calamity? Why would we attach chaos? Why would we attach all the different woes that we endure in our life? Why would we put that on Papa? Why would we throw that on him and say it's him? When it, no, it's not. A lot of times life happens. But when you're lost, most times you are in a state of confusion. And, and a lot of times when we're in that state of confusion, we are super eager to grab a hold uh, and throw an anchor on the first thing that made sense. That's, that's, a, that's a dangerous state to be in. Because a lot of times, because we are human, when, we, when we're in a state of confusion, when we are in a state of how did I end up here or why, why am I here, why me, why this? We instantly want to throw an anchor. We all know what an anchor is. An anchor is something that the sailors would throw down into the water, and it would, it would reach all the way down to the bottom of the sea, the seafloor, and, and it would grab hold and keep that ship still in that position. A lot of times we want, to, we want to latch our anchor to the first thing that we see that looks familiar. You know, I remember one of my... Uh, so one time I was in Bible college, we had this guest speaker. I never, I was never a fan of this guest speaker just because, you know, one time she taught this lesson and it hit too hard. I was like, man, I don't like you, man. You, you, you walking down my street, knocking on my door. Stop, ma'am. And, uh, but she, you know, talked about um, the HALT position. I've talked about this before, but HALT, it's an acronym, stands for hungry. Uh, what is it? Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. A lot of times we see the enemy strike 
in our lives when we're either hungry, hangry, <laughs> angry, lonely, or tired. When we're hungry, you know, there's times where, you know, yesterday, I remember, or not yesterday, what was it, Friday. Friday, me and Kellen got a haircut, and, uh, and you know, um, there were certain things in Kroger that Kroger had that Walmart and, you know, town didn't have. So Kellen's like, hey, you know, we're going to go to Kroger and, and look for this, this, this. And I heard her. I really did hear her. But all I could think about was, I am so hungry. So I just remained quiet. Quiet. The boys tried to talk, shh. I don't want to hear nothing. Don't want to hear nobody. Just want to hear the sound of the wheels of the shopping cart going as we go find this thing so we could get some food. As Kelsey's trying to talk to me a little bit, I'm just, I'm just not saying nothing because I know, like, hey, if I open my mouth, it's going to come. The roar of the lion, brother lion, is going to come. We, we, we got to find this and get some food in this, in this boy. Keenan is the same way this morning. Went to give him a hug. Daddy, yes. You know, most, most appreciative kids, most loving kids would be like, oh, Father, thank you for waking me up. I love you so much. I love you, too. Instead, Kenan's like, Daddy, say, yeah, buddy. What's for breakfast? <laughs> Daddy's got it already on the table. And he just walked straight past me. He sat on the table, started eating. I'm like, love you, too, man. <laughs> And then after he got some food in his belly, I said, Kenan, I love you. I love you, too. I'm like, whoo, you are your daddy. You are your daddy's son. But a lot of times the devil will really trigger our emotions when we're in a state of hungry or when we're in a state of anger. Somebody ticked you off, and instantly you know what you want to say in the flesh. You know, we have those, we have those two versions. You know, we're, if we're real saved, we're, ooh, mm, you better be glad I know Jesus. Kellen, Kellen busted that move. He didn't say, you better be glad, but he busted that move at practice. One of the kids took his ball and threw it to the other field, and Kellen, and then walked off at me, the super safe. Yeah, yeah, in his face, and then walked off, and I'm like, way to walk it off, Kellen. <laughs> way to walk it off. I, I feel you. In that moment when I saw it, I was like, I, I, I felt what his heart felt, because I felt like a little kid. You know, I'm looking at his parents and sizing them up. I'm like, could I take them? I might be able to take them. And then, you know, I'm like, how long could I take them? You know, maybe I just hold them down for a little bit until, you know, help comes. Or, you know, then I'm like, where's help going to come? You know, like, you know, <laughs> ain't no hills to look into my help, you know. So, you know, but the devil will really uh, attack our emotions when we're angry, when somebody does us wrong, when somebody offends us. You know, it's, it's tempting to read between the lines. The devil wants you to read between the lines. Why? Because he wants that emotion. He wants those emotions to rise up. Let me give you a super deep revelation. I promise we'll get into scripture, but let me give you a super deep, deep revelation. You ready for it? Your emotions, they are emotional. They are emotional. The Lord told me this a couple of years ago. He said, Lindsay, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, Whew. you know, if you've ever had the Lord tell you, like, oh, snap, you know. Got my notebook out. I'm ready. I'm like, Yahweh, tell me. He said, Lindsay, your emotionals are emotional. And I'm, hmm? Lord, I don't think I heard you say that. Say what you said again. He said, Lindsay, your emotionals are emotional. Or your emotions are emotional. I'm like, well, yes, Lord, I know. And he said, well, if you know this, why do you put your anchor in your emotions? Why do you put your trust in your emotions? And I'm like, oh. 
know, it, it, a lot of times we, we give in to our emotions, but we never check them. And I'm definitely guilty of this. A lot of times we, we, we give in to our emotions, but we never check, why, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this anger? Why am I feeling this sadness? Why am I feeling this loneliness? And if we trace it back, we can trace it all the way back to a thought that the devil just loves to whisper. Or a thought that the, love, the devil just loves to bring your way or, or, or an image that comes across the screen that the devil loves to use that knows that's going to trigger a certain type of trauma or a certain type of memory that causes anger, that causes regret, that causes bitterness, that causes offense. And that halt position, loneliness, the devil loves to show himself when we are feeling lonely. Whether it's a loss of loved one, whether it's a loss of job, whether it's, you know, lack of money, whether it's uh, whatever it is that causes loneliness in us. That's why when you're feeling lonely, you have to be extra careful. I've known people that, you know, as soon as a loved one passes, they're in a state of loneliness and don't understand it. And then just so happens somebody comes their way and they're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. No. The devil just knew the right person to bring in your life at the right time. Because now that you're in this emotional state, you're, now you've cast your anchor on this instead of putting your anchor on Jesus. And see, when we throw our anchor on something, we are, we are, we are trusting that that thing, that person, that idea is going to hold us steady. Let me tell you something's going to disappoint you. There's nobody on this side of heaven that can hold you steady like Jesus. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be together with somebody, not saying you should be married, not saying you shouldn't be dating, not saying you should, you should not have friends at work, not saying you should go out with friends. No, what I'm saying is you can't put your anchor on fleshly people. You can't put your anchor in them. I love my parents. My parents love me. But my dad would be up a, up a creek without a paddle if he put his anchor in his boy. Why? Because I am human. I would be up a creek without a paddle if I put my anchor in baby Cohen. Lord, for, well, let's be honest, I ain't going to be in the creek. Just saying. <laughs> I ain't going to be in the creek, all right? Creek ain't rising on this, brother. I ain't going to be in the creek. But still, anchor needs to be in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Who does our anchor need to be in? Jesus. Jesus. So a lot of times when we're in a state of confusion, also in the other part of halt was tired. Tired. The, love, the devil loves to present himself when we are tired, when we're unable to process fully what's going on when we're unable to understand fully what's happening what's being placed in front of us the devil capitalizes on us being in this vulnerable state of confusion and that's when he throws illusions that's when he throws illusions and those illusions they seem so right amen, amen. those illusions seem so right in proverbs chapter 11 verse 1 we're actually going to put it in the king james version that's rare but i like the way the king james version says it. it's the way this is the version i grew up on it and you've all known it. If you haven't known it, here it is. Verse 1 says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now this world is full of our friends and classmates and relatives and loved ones, co-workers that have anchored their hope in illusions. Even at times, we've anchored our hope in illusions. Illusion is something that has the appearance of being right, but is not fully correct. An illusion is a false balance. Say, I love how the author says a false balance. He could have just said, you know, uh, falseness is an abomination. No, he said a false balance, something that looks like it's right, but it's not. 
You, you, you ever been across something? I remember, um, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid. It was so funny. My mom, mom drove this little white car back then. Uh, it was a Chrysler or something. I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, Chrysler Sears. I remember we're going to school one day, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm sitting in the back seat, and I hear, yeah, and then, then gas it really fast. Um, and I said, Mom, what's wrong? And there was, a certain, there was a certain animal on the road that she didn't like, and she was terrified. And, you know, she was driving, and she thought it was dead. Thought it was dead, so, you know, and she's just driving along, and as she sees it kind of move, ah! and, then, and then, this is where I get it from, so don't, y'all, y'all know, this is where I get it from. After she screamed, that's, you know, you hear, foot to the pedal. She trying to kill that thing. <laughs> and she succeeded, I think. I mean, it's a snake. What you gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> you know, full circle, years, many, many years later, driving my mail car. Yeah, oh my God, that's a... <laughs> Got that joker, too, and I'm like, yeah, mom, <laughs> yeah. But have you ever been around something where it appeared to be something, and then guess what? Turns out, oh, snap, this is not what I thought it was. You ever been around somebody that you thought that they were somebody? You thought that they were for you, da-da-da, and you get to uncover, you're like, man, you are not what I... That, that's what a, a false balance look has the appearance of being balanced, has the appearance of being correct, has the appearance of being righteousness, has the appearance of being right with God, loving God, know God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you trace it down to the root, it's something different. A lot of people, a lot of people in this town, a lot of people in this community have placed their hopes and illusions. And that's why we are here. That's why we're here. That's why you, that's why you have uh, the pulling on your heart when God says, hey, come spend time with me. Because he wants to tear down the different illusions, the different false narratives that we have, that we have accepted in our life. He wants to show us who he is. Jesus said, I've come to reveal the Father. Why, we said it last week. Why would he need to reveal the Father if humanity had the right version of the Father? No, he said, hey, I, I want to show you Papa. I don't just want to show you God. Don't want to show you the usual name, God. I want to show you, Papa. I want to show you that he is the father that I spoke about in Luke 15. I want to show you that he is the father that will run to the edge of the road, knowing that there's laws that say that you should be cast out in a stone, and he wants to break all those, wrap his loving arms around us, put the seal of sonship, put on his garments on us, his garments, put those on us and throw us and celebrate us and throw us the best party that does not end. The cool thing about it is we don't see that party going to an end when you read the scripture. We just see the celebration going on and on. And guess what? It was a portrayal of the father's heart because in that, in that father's heart, he would celebrate his son for the, rest, for the rest of his existence. May not throw him a party every night, but he would celebrate the fact that his son had returned. And that's the kind of God we serve that celebrates the fact that you are in him and he is in you. We are hidden in Christ. He celebrates the fact that we live we move, we have our what? Our being in him. He celebrates that, not because he's a God that sits up in heaven and is like, ha, look, I got all these people in me. and I'm in. No, no, no. He celebrates it because he is a father and he finds joy in you. You ever been around somebody that you just have so much joy that you can't wait to be around them? You, you think about it, you get, you get anxious, you start to make it up in your head, you think about all the different things that you're going to do when you're with this person. That's, God, God feels the same way. God feels the same. I've told this story before, but um, I remember on Drea's birthday, this, uh, just a few weeks ago, she's like, hey, will you make birthday pancakes? Yeah, girl, I got you. I'll make some birthday pancakes. 
get up, make the birthday pancakes. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at them. I'm done. I cleaned up the skillet. I'm looking. I, you know, I had a stack, and then there's like two extra. And normally, I always, always make the last two mine, you know, because I want everybody to have theirs. And then whatever batter is left, you know, I just scrap it all together and do it. That way I can make me this big mega one. But also, there's not, left, there's not any left in the bowl. It's just easy to clean. So I sacrifice it there. If I get theirs, and then I get the last one. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, all right, here's the last one. I'm like, ah, you know, it's Sunday morning. I don't need to eat. You know, it's hard to sing on a full belly. And then I'm like, Laura, I got up this morning. On my day off. You know, okay, this is me talking to myself and the Lord. Lindsay, you got up this morning on your day off. Made your sister some birthday. Boy, eat you a pancake. Enjoy your creation. And then I said to myself, I will enjoy my creation. I was like, and I took a bite. Mm, this is so good. And then the Holy Spirit said in that moment, and why would, why would Papa not enjoy his creation? And I was like, oh, oh but he enjoys being in your life. He doesn't just come in your life on a Sunday morning. The moment service started, the moment the countdown ended, God wasn't like, all right, time to, time to come into your life. No. There is not one millisecond that he is unaware of your life. There's not one millisecond that he is unaware of your life. And he wants to tear down the illusions, the false narratives that life portrays. Those illusions that make us feel like we are that ship that is lost out in sea. Make us feel like we're on an island. Make us feel like nobody understands us. Nobody fully understands us. Nobody understands what it's like to live my life. Nobody sees the, the highs that I have. Nobody sees the lows that I have. Or nobody sees what it's like on a Monday. Or nobody sees when I go home. And da, da, da. And there's so many people, not just us, but there's so many people in this town alone. Not talking about the whole world. Not talking about, you know, across the globe. I'm just saying in Lexington and Henderson County, there are so many people that feel that it's that same way. There's so many people that feel like a ship that is lost at sea. There's so many believers that are under deception and feel like they are a ship that's lost at sea. Because in the end, if we're fully being honest, fully being transparent, we sung it earlier, but really when it feels like we're not surrounded by anybody, we're surrounded by all of heaven. We're surrounded by all of heaven. Did you know that? Did you know we're surrounded by all of heaven? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Passion Translation. The author says this. <clears throat> he says this, as for us, we all, we have all these great, what? Witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will all be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. I'm gonna stay with verse one for a minute. As for us, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Now we didn't have time for it today, but if you look in the chapter before, it's, it's known as the hall of faith. You know, the sports world, we have the Hall of Fame, but in Hebrews 11, we have the Hall of Faith, all the people that made the Hall of Faith. You know what puts you in the Hall of Faith? It wasn't slaying the giant that put David in the Hall of Faith. It wasn't splitting the Red Sea that put Moses in the Hall of Faith. It was firm persuasion. Firm persuasion means that I am so, I believe in what I believe so much that nothing can sway me from this belief. Yeah. 
and all the members of the Hall of Faith, they had this one belief, which was God is who he said he is. God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? They all had that firm belief that God is for me. No matter what life looked like. And I'll be honest, yes, the times we live in are troubling. But last time I checked, anybody had to worry about, you know, as soon as you walk out there, there'd be, you know, lions and tigers walking up to your car and you having to defend your family? No. They had to worry about slaying giants. Didn't have to worry about being swallowed up by a whale. Didn't have to worry about uh, flooding for 40 days and 40 nights. Didn't have to worry about, you know, walls falling. Didn't have to, I mean, you can, you can look through the, the stories of the Old Testament. Didn't have to worry about locusts raining and, and, you know, frogs coming out of nowhere. Just, I mean, like, the stories in the Old Testament, all the different things that they had happen on a daily basis. And we don't have cell phone connection at times. You know, the Wi-Fi ain't working. The water went out of town last week. You know, when you, compare, when you compare our problems to the problems of what it was back then, we say, we get to see, you know what? My life isn't all that bad. But the illusion of the enemy is to make you feel like nobody else understands what you're going through. The trick of the enemy is to make you feel like nobody else, had, nobody else has the right to be bitter like you or nobody else has the right to hold a grudge or nobody else has the right to hold an offense. How dare that person move on from you? How dare that person hold their head up when you are sitting da 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 When the truth is you are not lost at sea. When the truth is that you are surrounded by, not just by Jesus, not just by the Father, not just by the Holy Spirit, but you are surrounded by all those that came before you. And one translation says that they are cheering us on, cheering us on. One of my favorite things to do when we, when we practice is I love to cheer my sister on. I love to cheer on. I remember when I was a youth pastor and we'd go to different kids' graduations. I even did that Dre's graduation. She probably got, I don't think he got embarrassed. If he did, it's too late, you know. Water on the bridge, you know. But I remember when they called out Drea to nail melt, I'm like, yeah, Drea. But I waited till it was quiet. Wait to, you know, yeah, Drea. Why? Because I'm so proud I couldn't wait to cheer on. We went to Delicia's graduation. And Delicia sent a message to everybody. You know, uh, what was it? The, girl, the girl's family in front of her or behind her or something like that. They were, you know, extra loud. So, you know, don't let them say cheer for her. And then it gets to Delicia. It's all quiet. I'm like, say less. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Shala, bala, I got you, cuz. If, if I can't do nothing for you, I'm going to shout you up. So, you know, they say, I don't even know what her middle name is. That's bad. Been family all this time. But they say Delisha. <laughs> all this time. Delisha Campbell. And I'm like, you know, we're, Whoa! and I wait, I wait till everybody gets done. Get quiet. Yeah, Delisha! <laughs> I did. I got you. And it says that all of heaven is cheering us on. Cheering us on. See, purpose is the game changer for our lives. Your target for your life, it matters because your target is where you will reach for. It's what, your target is what you daydream about. It's what you, it's what you press forward to. It's what you set all your, all your expectations towards. And unfortunately, when a ship is lost at sea, it's because they've lost their target. It's, lost, it's because they've lost the sight of what they've been pressing for all this time. We won't get into it, but if you are taking notes, Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16, and Proverbs 20, 10, 
and Micah 6, 10 through 11, all these things say the same as what we read in Proverbs 11, 1, which is a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. We said it earlier, but a false balance is the appearance of something that is real, but it's not stable. It's the appearance of stability rooted in instability. A false balance is the appearance of stability rooted in instability. I'll say that one more time because you need to let it marinate. A false balance, because too many times we put our anchors in false balances. A false balance is something that appears stable, but truly it's instable. Maybe we, need a, maybe we need a filter, run that filter, that false balance filter through our friends. Run it through our family members. Run it through the coworkers that we like to hang out with. Run it through the, run it through the people that we, you know, say we see at Walmart. Oh, yeah, we need to get together. Well, before you make those plans, maybe you need to run that false balance filter through and be like, you know what? Run that false balance filter. If you don't get anything today, false balance filter. Run that false balance filter and see, okay, is this truly stable or is it instability? Is it rooted in instability? Is this person that's trying to come in my life or, or is this job or is this new thing, this new project, this new whatever it is? Is it a false balance or is it balance? Because so many times we only want to fix the appearance on the surface level. We only want to fix the appearance of surface level threats, but not, not many people want to bend down in the dirt and work on the repairs. Not many people want to get down in the dirt and work on the repairs. I remember as a kid, I knew as a kid things I did not want to do. Anybody ever had that revelation when you was a child, you know, this, I, don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to eat peas. When I become an adult, I don't want to eat peas. And I have held true to that. I have held true. Even in sickness, I'm like, you know what? I may be sick, but I ain't that sick. I ain't eating no lima beans and peas. I remember as a kid, I made a promise to myself I wasn't going to eat peas when I became an adult. I made a promise to myself I wasn't going to be a plumber because I remember when we lived in Double Wide. My first time seeing a plumber come to the trailer and work on it, and I, that's when I got to see what a plumber was, and I was like, oh, no. I do not want to do that. I knew I wasn't going to grow up to be Michael Jordan. I wanted to so bad, but also I knew that I wasn't going to grow up and become a plumber. If you... What I was not going to do was plumb somebody's house. Wasn't going to do it. Wasn't going to do it. I was going to, Lord, thank God for the people that do do it. But also thank God that Lindsay don't get to do it. Lindsay don't have to. I, I, that's, I salute the, all of them. All of them. I see one, salute you. Hallelujah. But one of the things that a plumber does, they have to get underneath the house. They have to see all the critters that we don't see on the surface level. Right. You know, if we, see a, if, if we see a critter, what are we doing? We laying a trap, we stumping it. We stumping it till I, uh, later I'll tell y'all a story after service about stumping <laughs> a critter. <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeez, just freaks me out thinking about it yesterday. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, if we see a critter out on the surface, we're trying to kill it. But a plumber, when they get underneath the house, they, they're in their habitat. And they're used to it. They're used to it. Because why? They, they, they count it as a, they, you know, hey, it is what it is. My goal is to fix these, these pipes or to fix this issue. So therefore, they're able to take all that and just push it aside and continue to work. Why? Because they have a goal in mind. And, and their job is to work on the repairs that are down below. But we love, we, we the surface love. I remember my dad taught me this terminology when I was a kid. He said, Lindsay, there's two types of people. There's, there's, the, there's, the, um, there's the turnkey jobs, 
you know, you turn the key and the job's done. You know, that's, and I, I remember as a kid, I'm like, I like that. You know, you put the key in the switch and that's, he said, and then there's those that like to work and build the switch. And, I'm, and I remember as a kid, I was like, man, I don't like that. I don't have to build the switch. I just want to put my key in the switch because it's already built, you know, because it's already built. I don't, I don't want to be the, the switch builder. I want to be the switch turner, you know. I don't know if it, some of y'all may be switch turners, some of you may be switch builders. There's nothing bad about either or. Just know if you're a switch turner, you're with me. You're on my team. And that's good. <laughs> but so many times when it comes to the, uh, like I said with the plumber or with the switch builder, you have to work on the repairs. You have to work on the things that are below the surface. But as Jesus followers, we have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, what things are below the surface, below the things that I'm not seeing that need to be worked on? need to be corrected, need to be fixed, need to be addressed. Amen? What emotions below the surface need to be addressed? What things that trigger these type of emotions need to be addressed? Because these emotions make me feel like a ship that's lost at sea. It makes me feel like I'm, everywhere I look, I don't see anything that's familiar. It makes me look like everywhere I look, nobody understands why I feel this way or nobody understands what I wrestle with. Nobody understands what I say, what I see. Nope, da-da-da-da. So, Lord, what, what, what's pushing me towards these illusions? What's pushing me towards this type of perspective? Well, Lord, whatever it is, address it. Whatever it is, correct it. Whatever illusions that's producing this, tear it down. Lord, whatever's causing me not to fully see you, then remove it. Me and Kelsey, we was talking about a song the other day, uh, um, Purifier from Maverick City, how nobody... One of her friends posted, but nobody wants to sing the chorus. Why? Because nobody wants to be tried by, and we just going to leave it there. And I'm like, man, why did, why, did, why did they write that? Because nobody, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, ah, oh, I want to be tried by, wait, what did they just say? They just say, oh. And then I listened to the whole chorus, so then I would come back, I want to be mm, purified. You take whatever you desire. Oh, yeah, I got that. Lord, here's my. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be mm, 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 purified. You know, come back in on the, you take whatever. Yeah, Lord, take the desires. Take the desires, Lord. Now, that fire stuff, you ain't got, you ain't got to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ain't got to do that. I ain't one of the Hebrew boys. All right. That was them. That was them. This is Lindsay. We're on the other side of the furnace. You ain't got to. <laughs> no, ain't no Shad Lindsay. Ain't no Shad Lindsay. It's Shad Rack, not Shad Lindsay. <laughs> All right. I don't want to. But we were talking as we were driving down the road, like, like how we don't like to sing that part of the song. Why? Because it, there's no person in the room that says, man, I just can't wait to be tried by. Mm -hmm. Nobody's, nobody loves saying that. Why? Because we know that, you know what? It's not going to be comfortable. And as human beings, we love being comfortable. Amen. Lindsay, I don't like being comfortable. Yeah, you do. I can prove it to you. If it gets too hot, what do you do? Turn on the AC. If it gets too cold, what do you do? Turn off the AC. Watch this. If it's going to rain, what do we do? We put a rain jacket on. Why? Because we, we don't want the water touching us. I'm the same way. I keep a, listen, I keep a rain jacket in the mail car, rain jacket in her van, rain jacket in the forerunner. That way, whichever vehicle, I'm going to have a rain jacket. <laughs> I, st I stay ready I keep the boys rain jackets in the van and for some reason they don't like them Keenan kind of likes this so I'm like thank you son you've chosen the right path the righteous path you have chosen 
Kellen but was still praying for him with the rain jacket. And Cohen, Cohen's, I could just tuck him under mine. It's big enough. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to raise him in the right way. You don't like rain jackets. <laughs> you don't believe in them. <laughs> but we, we human beings, we choose to be comfortable. We, we prefer to be comfortable. You know, if the shoe, if, man, these shoes, they're worn out. Ah, uh, you know, instead of kicking them off, we'll, we'll go find some more shoes. Or if we like the shoes so much, we'll go buy the Dr. Show's inserts and put them in there. Why? Because these are, man, these are my favorite shoes. I love them. If the seat ain't comfortable, we'll go find a different seat. Watch this. If the show ain't comfortable, we'll find a different show. If the song ain't comfortable, we find a different song. Man, I don't like this worship song. I ain't trying to be tried by it. Mm-hmm. Let me Let me find the, you know, I give myself away. You know, yeah, I do that. I do that. Lord, I give myself. I ain't trying to be tried, but I, I'll give myself. But the fire stuff, you keep. We choose, com- we choose to be comfortable. Why? Because we are human beings, and nobody wants to be pruned. Nobody wants to be pruned. But the thing about being lost at sea is, you know, the captain is under the pressure of the whole crew. Like, hey, you gotta, you gotta find us the right direction to go. So now the captain is in a, in his, he's in a vulnerable position to where he is open to receive direction he's open to receive direction and a lot of times when we when we think about you know okay what how did I get here why am I here Lord you know when we ask those questions Lord, why am I here why am I going through this why me why me why me why me when really yes he didn't cause any of it but he's like hey hey since you're in this place looking for direction since you're here you ever been some you ever been somewhere and you're like you know, get to a certain part of the house and you can't remember why, but since I'm here, let me go ahead and da 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 Since you're looking for direction, let me give you direction. Somebody say true north. See, I've, I've talked about this before, but I love it because, you know, when, you know, thankfully I never had to do this, but when ships would get lost in sea, whew, makes me cringe thinking about it, but when they would get lost in sea and the, the navigation didn't work, one of the things that they could rely on was the true north star. The reason why they called it the true north star because that north star, God hung it in the sky in the direction that he did, and it has never moved. It has stayed there. So they knew that when they saw the north star, guess what? Spoiler alert, that is north. And therefore, they were able to realign, redesign, and reset their path. So therefore, when we say true north, we're saying the direction that doesn't move. When we're saying true north, we're saying the path that doesn't change. We're saying the, the, the way that does it, that's not swayed by people's opinions, not swayed by finances, it's not swayed by lack, it's not swayed by emotions, it's not swayed by being hungry, it's not swayed by caffeine, it's not swayed by loneliness, it's not swayed by people coming in our life and people leaving our life, it's not swayed by you being fatigued or tired. When we say true north, we're saying the direction that cannot be moved by anything on this earth. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He said, I am the door. See, the world loves to make us think that all roads lead to, no. There's only one road that leads to heaven. There's only one road that leads to the Father's heart. And his name is Jesus. He is the unmovable way. And you know what? That sounds like he's the true north way. So when you feel like you're a ship that's lost that seat, yeah. Okay, no, no, no. Lord, maybe I, I may not want to be tried by fire, but Lord, show me the directions that I need to go. Show me the directions that I need to go. 
Listen, I was driving yesterday. I promise we'll close, but I was driving yesterday, and the Lord told me this. He said, Christians need to live like, you, you, ever, you ever seen those shows? I remember I was watching this one show, and uh, there's this neighbor in the show, and everybody in the neighborhood was scared of him because there was a rumor that he had an alligator in his house. And, you know, no, all the little kids, they would never, when it come Halloween, nobody would go trick-or-treating. Oh, that's alligator, man. Da, da, da. And something happened, you know, there's, you know, where they had to evacuate the neighborhood. So he finally came out. And uh, before he did, he said, I'm not coming out of here because nobody's going to take care of my baby. And, you know, the, the police were involved and da-da-da. And they said, sir, you have to evacuate. So finally, he said, all right, but she's going to come out first. And she op he opens the door, and sure enough, the alligator walks out, and everybody clears back. Why? Because this man had an alligator with him. You know, I remember we watched this show a couple years ago. It was, it, was the tr it was trending in the whole nation, you know, where the guy had the, uh, had the tigers, raised the tigers, kept them in his living room and all that stuff. And I'm like, good, 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 good. You know, I was at the gas station the other day. Didn't see no lion or tiger or gator, but this lady, this young lady had a certain animal wrapped around her wrist and it went all the way down to her waist. And, and me, y'all know me, I see it, I'm just tunnel vision, I see it, I say, oh! I stepped and caused a commotion, and the clerk was like, what's wrong? I said, she got her. And I thought, she got her, she got her. Because <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was white with a yellow stripe going all the way down. And so I'm, I, I'm, I ain't seen that before. You, you get it out. <laughs> but whenever we see somebody with an exotic animal like that, that doesn't belong domesticated, instantly we, we fear. But... On, if we're thinking about their perspective, they know that nobody's going to come, come to them or step to them. Why? Because they have that. The Lord told me yesterday, he said, Lindsay, Christians should live as if there's a lion walking in front of them, beside them, and behind them. Why? Because when it looks like we're not surrounded, we got the lion with us. The lion of Judah, not the, you know, you, you, Jesus isn't just, you know, uh, sitting up in heaven, you know, just resting with this. No, no, the Bible says that he intercedes. In order to intercede for somebody, you have to be involved in their life. See, the illusion is to make us feel like we're all alone and nobody understands. The illusion that our friends and our coworkers and our relatives have fallen to that nobody understands them. When all actuality, you have the line that walks in front of you, the line that's, that is walking behind you, the line that's walking on both sides, following you, following you to work following you to the grocery store, following you to the gas station, following you into the mist of darkness. And when, when he said that to me yesterday, I was like, ooh, shallow, mm, yeah. Wasn't in my vehicle, so I had to be careful so I didn't damage it. But I'm like, ooh, I feel that, Jesus. But also it made my day feel better because I had some anxiety about certain things. I'm like, no, 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 okay, okay. Lion of Judah, if you with me, then guess what? Whatever, I, whatever I'm facing, it's got to go through you first. And that's the opposite of being a ship that's lost at sea. That's the opposite of, of, of feeling like, okay, man, nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. And the reason I keep saying that is because a lot of times we make our decisions based off of that idea. Well, nobody understands me, so therefore I'm just going to go. Nobody understands me, so therefore I'm just going to not do this. Or I'm not even going to try. Or there, there's no point of, of really giving my heart. Or, or all these different things. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put my money in this. Since nobody, since I'm all alone anyway, I, I just do whatever I want. When all actuality is, you are surrounded 
surrounded by the Father, Son, and Spirit. We are in the midst of the perichoresis fellowship. We are in the midst of the circle dance. We are the one that they celebrate. You are. Somebody say, I am. I, am. I love that because in verse 2 of Hebrews, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, the author says, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within who? Us. He birthed faith within you. And who leads us forward into faith's perfection. I like that. I'm going to say that again just because I can. Verse 2. We look away from the natural realm. Look away from the natural realm. If you never looked at the Bible's instructions, you need to look at it as instruction. The author says, look away from the natural realm. We, we is you and me. If you didn't know that. So you and me, we are going to start. Let's proclaim this. We're going to start looking away from the natural realm, and we are going to fasten our gaze onto Jesus. Amen. Why? Because guess what? You can't move Jesus. You can't shake him. You can't break him. He is the lion that is in front of you. He is the lion that is behind you. He is the lion that is on both sides of you. He is the fourth one in the fire. He is the one that is raising the seas so we can walk through them. He is the one that splits the seas. He is the one that's shaking the ground. Yes. Removing the scales from our eyes. He is the one that's removing the, the captivity label off of us and giving us that extension of freedom, giving us that label of freedom, giving us that seal of sonship. Whoa. And this is who we gaze upon. You ever gazed upon something? It didn't just say we, we look at Jesus. No, we fasten our gaze. See, when you gaze on something, you, you get lost in it through sight. You know, have you ever, you ever looked at, one of my favorite things is to gaze at the sunset. I love looking at the sunset. Why? Because it's been scientifically proven that there are still colors within the sunset and the sunrise that are still unknown to man. Still unknown to man. Well, Lindsay, I, you know, it looks purple or it looks blue. Yeah, but there's types of blues and there's types of purples and there's types of reds and greens in the sunset and sunrise that still we have not been able to label yet. So when I look at the sunrise and I look at the sunset, I still see possibilities. I still see, uh, I still see territories or, or uncharted waters when I look at that because I'm like, wow, there's still things in that. The same thing that comes up every morning and goes down every evening. When I look at that, I, I get inspired. I get hopeful. Like, wow, there's so much more into God that we have yet to discover. And I love to gaze at it. I love to get lost in it. I love to feel the beauty of it, the warmthness of it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And when I, when I gaze into it, I forget about my current state. I forget about the bills that got to be paid. Or I forget about the nagging, what's for dinner? I forget about the job. I forget about the rumors that people have said. I forget about what high school was like. Mm. I forget about the insecurities. Why? Because in that moment, my mind is lost in a gazing trance of looking at something that God has created. What happens when you gaze into Jesus? What happens when you gaze into him? What happens when you realize that I may, uh, you know, when you realize that, you know, you're, you're surrounded by the Lord. You realize that, oh, snap, it may look like I'm, I'm not surrounded, but really I'm surrounded by him. 
I'm surrounded by him. We used to sing when I was a kid, surround me, oh Lord, let your presence fill this place. And that's great to pray, but guess what? Now we get to, if we fully understand it, we understand that I don't, I don't have to beg God to surround me. I get to rest in him surrounding me because he is surrounding me. He surrounded me all the, all the milliseconds of my life, all the minutes of my life, all the hours of my life, all the days of my life. He surrounded me at work. What is he surrounding? He's not just surrounding your exterior, but he's surrounding your interior as well. Why? Because the Bible says that he looks right here. We said it this, we said it this past Wednesday night, but this is where you have to say yes from. Not from here, but from here. This is where you have to accept that he is for you. This is where you have to accept that he's going to work all things out for your good. This is, watch this, this is where you have to accept that you are not a ship that's lost at sea. This is where Henderson County has to accept that Jesus is for them. Well, Lindsay, how does that happen? It happens through you. It happens through this house. Amen? It happens through this house. Let's close with the last part of it. But it says, we gaze on a Jesus who birthed faith within us, who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne. Jesus who birthed faith within us. So he birthed faith within you. Your ability to believe in him, he started that. He started that. He birthed faith perfection. He birthed faith within us, and who he now leads us forward into the perfection of faith. We said it earlier, but if you're not growing, you're declining. And if we're gazing upon Jesus, then we then there's something that there's something beautiful that happens, which is there is a faith that is perfecting from glory to glory to glory to glory. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movies, but, you know, when you see a movie and the, the ship is lost at sea, the moment that they see land, what do they yell? Land! Land a hole! Dry land! If it's me, I'd be like, thank you, Jesus! That's why I couldn't have been on the ark. Couldn't have been Noah. Because when that dove brought back the olive branch, they would, that's when they would have discovered shout music. I would have been, hey, hey, Yes! We getting out of this boat. We getting our feet on dry ground. <laughs> Solid rock. We shall stand. <laughs> they get excited when they're back on dry land. But what would have, what, what, how would they have felt if they realized that they were always on land? They just couldn't fully see it. Because see, underneath the water is land. Underneath the water is land. You may have to sink to get to it, but there is, there is something sustainable under there. And that is the point of the anchor, to go further out past what they can see and grab a hold of something that can sustain them and lock them in place. No matter what it looks like in your life, if you can, if you can reach, if you can extend your trust and your hope into Jesus, no matter what it looks like, you will stay steady. One of my favorite Christian pop songs, I don't listen to a whole lot of Christian pop, but literally the chorus says, steady me. Lord, you steady my heart. 
That's one of the things he enjoys doing is steadying your heart. When life is going up and when life is going down, when woes come, when, when things come, when the tide rises, when the tide settles, he steadies you. The Christian life isn't meant to be, I don't know if you knew this, but the Christian life isn't meant to be lived up and down. You know, sometimes you get around a believer in the house, man, I'm just, I may not, but just pray my strength in the Lord. You get back around him, how you doing? Oh, God, God is good. It's up and down. One of the most iconic things that Pastor Craig had told me, he said, Lindsay, the Christian life isn't meant to be lived up and down. It's meant to be lived in a straight line. It's meant to be lived steady. Steady. And see, there's, there's, there's nothing in this world that's steady. But there is one person that is steady. And he's not of this world. And we are hidden in him. And if we're hidden in him, then guess what? That steadiness that he's about, it rubs off on us. To the point that no matter what comes, no matter what, who goes, no matter who comes, no matter who says what, no matter if they don't say anything, we're able to remain steady in it. Things going good in your life? Okay, well, I'll remain steady in it. I'm not swayed, I'm not moved, I'm not moved to make an impulsive decision, but I'm steady in it. When the, when the, when the bridge falls out or the floor falls out, I'm, I'm able to remain steady in it. Why? Because I'm being carried. My anchor is in Jesus. Live like there's a lion walking in front of you. Live like there's a lion walking beside you. Live like there's a lion walking behind you, following you. Why? Because his goodness and mercy shall go with you everywhere. Amen. I told Kelsey this, and I promise we're closing. I told Kelsey this, the Lord reminded me, that Jesus made us this promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He didn't say, as long as you're not in sin, I'm not going to leave you and forsake you. No, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I told Kelsey this story, but there's this time when I was 11 or 12-ish or something like that. I was really big into skateboarding. And I went through these seasons of it was skateboarding, it was rollerblading, it was BMX, and mom and dad were so thankful when it finally went away. It came back in 2014 and it's kind of stayed. I've accepted the longboarding. I like longboarding. But I remember around that time, I don't know if y'all remember, but in Guy B. Amos, they had a skate park. We had a skate park, had the ramps, da, da, da. and all my friends would talk about it. And I was like, Mom, please let me go. She would always say, No. Y'all know Miss Aletha. She would say, No. And finally, True Miss Aletha fashion, after one time I asked her, she said, you know what, you can go. Your dad's going to go with you. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I got to have a ride there, so I don't know why you laughing, you know. I didn't say that. I thought it. <laughs> then, though, I ain't going to say that. <laughs> Been down that road before. <laughs> so dad goes, you know, we go there, get on the bench, and I'm putting my rollerblades on because I was in the season of rollerblading. was better than the skateboarding. And uh, I said, all right, get it on. I stand up. I said, all right, Dad, bye. You know, because, you know, I don't know why you're staying here, Pops. And I take off. You know, I'm skating. And I see the shadow that's, like, close by me. I look behind me. Dad's, like, right there walking with me. I'm like, Dad. Y'all remember as a kid. Dad, what are you doing? Right, stop. You know, there's, there's high schoolers here. Quit. You know. <laughs> and I get ready to go up a ramp. I kid you not. Dad's helping me up the ramp. I'm like, Dad, stop. Woo. <laughs> like, I went down the ramp and went back over to the bench, sat down and took my rollerblades and said, okay, Dad, I'm ready to go. Because I was like, you can't recover from this. Nobody else had their parents going up with them. On the ramp, up the ramp, y'all. 
up the ramp. <laughs> and the Lord reminded me of this when I was going to work yesterday. And I, was, you know, I started laughing as I'm, as I'm driving White Fern Road, I'm laughing about it. And I'm like, well, what, what, what's the purpose of that? He said, Lindsay, your parents, they, they knew that. In your true nature, you were not created to be a skateboarder. But you couldn't tell nobody, you couldn't tell me that at age 11 or 12. I thought I was, man, I thought I was going to be the, the, the chocolate version of Tony Hawk. That was my, <laughs> I thought I was going to be it. But my parents, they knew, hey, we love you, but you weren't created for this. But watch this. Because they were my parents, they kept their promise, which was they would never leave me nor forsake me. On their end, they would try their best to never leave me or forsake me. Even though I was in this that I didn't want to be in, or that I wanted to be in, I thought this was who I was supposed to be. They weren't going to leave me and forsake me, even to the point that, okay, well, you're going to go down that ramp, I'm going to walk down with you. You're going to skate, I'm going to walk right in with you. Why? Because I'm your father. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Even though I don't like this, my parents didn't like it. Trust me, they didn't like it. But still, because out of love, they stayed right with me. Out of love. Your heavenly father stays right with you. Even if you're feeling like, okay, well, I, I got to make this decision because nobody else understands. He's going to be right there with you, lockstep with you. Doesn't mean that he approved, doesn't mean he agreed, but it means that, you know, I love you. I'm going to be with you. You going down that dark path, I'm going to go with you. You going to pursue this relationship, I'm going to pursue it with you. Why? Because I'm your heavenly father. And I want to prevent you from falling. That was, that was my dad's whole goal that night was to prevent me from falling. As an 11 year old, I thought his job was to prevent me from hanging out with the cool friends. I thought mom's job as an 11 year old, me as an 11 year old, I thought it was her job to prevent me from getting a girlfriend. Like, come on, mother. Can't get no numbers with my dad walking with me on the ramps. <laughs> but watch this, that was the illusion. When the illusion settles, and the Holy Spirit is able to be heard, we get to see, no, their job was to keep me from falling. What is the Heavenly Father trying to prevent you from falling into? What traps of the enemy, what, what, what lures of the enemy is the Heavenly Father trying to prevent us from falling? Watch this, financially, emotionally. You know, the God, God cares about our finances because he knows that we live in a world you cannot do anything. You can't go to Walmart get a bunch of groceries, get $100 worth of groceries, go to the self-checkout, and when it says time to pay, you can't turn around, Jesus paid it all, and then push your buggy on. You can't do that. You can't do that. And if you can, you better let me know. All right. But you can't. Jesus knows that we live in a world that is built upon money. He knows that it takes money for you to do stuff. And he cares about you financially as well. He cares about you emotionally. He cares about you physically. He cares about you mentally. Because he knows if you're not in the right mental headspace, then you will not pursue your calling or purpose. And therefore, he's going to stay with you lockstep, trying to prevent you from falling into that darkness again. Why? So he can remind you that you are not a ship lost at sea. But church, there are many people in this town that feel that way. And it's our, it's, our, it's our beauty, it's our beautiful invitation to show them, hey, what you're feeling, that's not fully real. You are not alone. 
you are surrounded by all of heaven. There is a God that sacrificed his son for you. Willingly, Jesus gave himself up just so you can be free from this that you are dealing with. We all know at least one person at work, one person at, in our jobs, one, or one person in our family, one, one friend, one, so we know somebody that needs to hear that. And guess what? It's your job to point them to the North Star, which is Jesus. Question is, can we do that? Can we do that? Are we committed to do that? Because if we're not committed to doing that, God will find somebody else. I heard a pastor say that he was God's third choice. But and instead of getting mad that he was God's third choice, he said, God, I'm your last choice. Because all the people that may have told you no, I'm the one that's going to tell you yes. Church, be the one that you say yes to. Not right here, but say yes with this. Lord, that person that you need to reach, okay, I'm, yes, use me, use me. Oh, there's, there's things within me that need to be taken out. Okay, do it. Try me, Lord. Try the heart by, I don't want to say it, Lord, but you know what? If that's what it takes, do it. Why? Because I'm committed to seeing my friends safe, seeing my family safe, seeing my loved ones safe, seeing my coworkers safe, seeing the, the person that I don't know at the other side of the gas pump saved. Not so we can say we have a full church bound that is full of people that are experiencing the freedom of God. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed.